And I was just watching the um, the Tom Satterley uh, interview you did. So I, I remember seeing it a long time ago and then going, oh, okay, now this clicks. Now I know, you know, uh, who it was and what it was about. So now good. Yeah, I saw another video with him. Uh, he was talking about Fox News and it blew me away. Um, I, I'd heard his story many times because you people tell the stories, but yeah. he said it so emphatically and just the the motion coming out of it. I mean, he was talking about how he asked his team leader, are we going to make it home? His team leader said, yep. I don't know, walk away. And he started to choke. And I actually, <laughs> I felt like that emotion was coming through the screen right at me. I said, my God. Yeah. You know, you can now understand this complex PTS that this guy had and what he was going through. And yep. it's powerful. It was so moving. And and so again, thanks for coming on board because here, here we are. Absolutely. And I had some questions for you. And, and, and you guys are yeah. out there doing things and coming out of the shadows, really, to help people and, and yep. tell your stories. And, and you don't have to. You, you can choose to drink your lattes and stay in the shadows, do nothing. But you yeah. No, I, pr- I appreciate the the opportunity. And, yeah, no, I mean, we can, well, let me know when we go live. And then, uh, you know, um, yeah, we, we set the parameters, which are easy. I love the questions. Um, there's some new ones that I hadn't really dived into. Um, so they're, they'll, they'll make for good conversation. Great. Yeah, so I'll, I'll record. Um, if you don't want to answer a question, don't answer a question. Um, and, and we'll just roll with it, man. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's I'll too easy. Yeah, I'll record and then I'll edit and I'll post it up tonight. So definitely. So okay. um, you ready to rock and roll? Yes, sir. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody here for coming to watch and listen to We Fight Monsters here. We speak with people, we share their knowledge and experiences with you on how to fight back against any form of trouble that can injure the mind, the body, the spirit. So we want you to listen to their stories. Now, today, I've got someone that I've been following for a while on Instagram and you know how um, these algorithms work, you, you find people, you know the people, you look at the stories. And I've been looking at his page for a minute, and uh, some of his posts, you can see how he's developed his social media. And he had his first post, and then when you get to, I think there's like 456 posts there, and you see the last post, it's very in-depth, it's uh, very reflective. So the first post, I think, was a, a gun, but now it's very reflective, and he's put a lot of thought into it, and that, to me, is very cool, because a lot of people just out for self-promotion, that's fine, they can do that. But here's a guy who's coming out of the shadows to talk about something that's very important. Um, my guest today is Eric Menares, and I think I saw it set, set up, right? Uh, was that correct? All right, you so did. Eric Menares, he's a retired sergeant major, and he spent nearly 30 years in the military. Now, uh, he started his very distinguished career in the Marine Corps as a, um, as a sniper, and then he went on to the 7th Special Forces Group, and thereafter uh, served uh, 20 years is a tier one operator uh, in the special division unit. So very cool, Bonifiz, amazing stuff. Uh, Eric, how are you today? Man? I'm doing good. I'm I'm glad it's it's Friday. I'm you know happy to be here. I've uh, looked into your channel and uh, I, I love the origins of it and what you get after it. So uh, you know I'm I'm privileged to be here and I appreciate the opportunity truly. Absolutely, and I am privileged as well. I mean, honored that you come on. I mean, there's so much I got out of watching you. I watched the uh, Mike Lover one. That was fantastic. And, you know, a lot of these shows, it's the who yes stuff. You talk about uh, guns and you talk about, you know, gear. And um, you guys are talking about some hard-hitting stuff. And I got a lot out of that. Uh, Mike asked some really good questions. He's a very good interviewer. Um, and I've never really watched Mike. He's our guest on, on our, our show um, years ago. But uh, you guys talked about a lot of stuff like cognition. You talked about uh, gear. 
we talked about a lot, but um, let, let, let's get into it, man. You know, I was yeah looking around on your page, and you had, for example, two things, and that was two books, The Wild and Heart by John Eldridge, which is this idea that men or boys are designed to be dangerous and they're designed to be, you know, uh, warriors, risk takers, etc. And the second one was the love language. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, for all you did, and, and I, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about you and your career. Yeah. How did you, how did you decide to join the military? I mean, what, what sparked that? What was your, your dream or your, your hook or something that said, wow, that is cool? Or what did you mean? Yeah, so the, the, the hook me was actually seeing a, uh, a Marine and his dress blues uh, kind of strolling through my high school. Uh, and this is in, uh, in Miami and actually Hialeah, Florida. Um, and so I think I was like in 11th grade. Um, at that point, I, I knew I wanted to go in the military. Um, but seeing that Marine walk in, and he was a Latino. I think he was either Puerto Rican or Cuban. Anyway, walked on in. Um, and if I remember correctly, uh, you know, he, he uh, was a force reconnaissance Marine, so he had all the cool stuff on, on his uniform. And I saw that, um, and, and I just fell in love, right? I was like, that's, you know, and, and in particular, where I was growing up, you didn't see that crisp discipline sort of, you know, in a, in a person in uniform versus the police, right, which I never had any issues growing up. Uh, but that was the first thing um, as an example of what I wanted to become, who I wanted to become, and then obviously studying about the Marine Corps and, and, and some history. Um, and the other origin story was, you know, as a young kid, and this is probably 1989, but, and I enlisted and left in 1991 to Marine basic training. That was a rough time in the streets of Miami and, and in Hialeah. And, you know, and I dabbled uh, as most guys that come from the career path that uh, I come from, um, you know, we we were we were on that left side of the law, right? Um, and so I, I saw that it, it was dangerous for me that I need I needed to do something. If not, I would have unfortunately ended up dead. I had a couple of friends in high school uh, that were shot. Uh, one of them in particular in front of me at a fair in, in Hialeah, and, and I knew and I knew guys that already were destined, to, unfortunately, to go to prison um, or get involved and sucked into some bad environment. And so. The third part of it is I wanted to um, thank this country, if you would, and serve for um, opening their arms to my family when we immigrated uh, from Cuba, which I was just, you know, it was uh, my mom came pregnant with me. And so that was kind of the third piece, um, really, was to, to give back, um, all, all piled together. And, and that was essentially my origin story of, of joining the military and, and, and moving moving out of there in 1991. Well, that's some powerful things there. When you talk about the loss of innocence, you talk about uh, growing up into a man, you're talking about uh, allegiance, right? And, you know, home is where the heart is, where they say, you know, is it transitory? Is it something that uh, is, is, is always constantly moving? And, and for me, it's the same. I was from Vietnam. I came here. I'm very thankful to be in this country. So for you, um, you know, as a young man, um, your allegiance is here to this country. You've served so long. But how did you change as a person? Let's talk about the idea of faith. I mean, I mentioned those two books, you know, the Five Love Languages and, and uh, you know, Wild at Heart, and this idea, are you a person of faith? And, and, and how did you carry that faith, if you are, uh, through your development? Has it grown? Have you uh, seen it mature as you've matured in your career? Um, has it waned at all? You know, it actually became stronger, and it's um, and I and I love that about the the questions you you sent me. You know, prior to that, that was the number one 
stuck out to me because I really haven't necessarily spoken about faith. There's been a couple of posts that kind of allude to a certain piece of it. And so uh, growing up in Miami um, and, you know, I grew up Catholic. Um, I went to a bilingual school that was essentially a private school that was uh, part Cuban culture, part American culture, but definitely much more on the on the Cuban side. And so we had, you know, I grew up in the um, in the church and becoming a Catholic, and I, and I have all those little pictures, right? Where, uh, but I, I sort of left that behind when when I when I joined the military, um, and so additionally, we had um, in my background from my my Cuban family was. Um, was Santeria, which was, it, it's kind of odd, right? I mean, but it right. is, you know, I, I say that now, um, but that was part of my childhood was growing up Catholic, understanding Santeria. There was a lot of different cultures. So I've always been very understanding of religion. Um, and I want to say that the, the, the first time post leaving home was when I was actually going through basic training, you know, at, at Paris Island, that we would get that time to go to the chapel or, or to church um, and that was the first time I was away from home. Um, and you know, you you think you're this tough guy from, from the streets and suddenly now you're going through this basic training and what that psychologically goes to you. And I remember going to church and being peaceful forming and seeing others from a variety of different faiths there. So that was my exposure actually in basic training. Um, at, at that time frame. I had guys from what appear to be all over the United States and from all different kind of religions. And so I, I took an appreciation to that. Um, but then to kind of to your question, during my service, at least during the Marine Corps, I, I, I wasn't very religious. It's something that I um, I didn't really think about, right? And I didn't mm -hmm. practice, if, if you would. Um, and then when I, when I joined the Army, interestingly enough, um, when I was at Seventh Special Forces Group, it wasn't till one time when I went um, to Ecuador where I got shot um, in the leg. And then ironically, what I did for you is to have these is I was actually wearing, I had these in my person. Um, and these were things that my mom gave me, I think right after I came back from basic training or something, she she handed me those, those to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. And I put them away. Um, but when I went on that trip, I actually took those things for me. I don't know why I did it. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were on me when, when I got shot. And so at that time, and this was 99, I think 1999, uh, that was a that was pretty key for me in my military marine because those things were with me, I got shot, mm -hmm. they were, you know, and I didn't die. And so it opened my eyes a little bit to greater to, to actual faith. So, I mean, can you show us what those are? I mean, I used to carry a little action figure from my son, a little tiny G.I. Joe. Yeah. So what do you have there? Yeah. So this one here was actually, and as I'm looking at the back, it's like part of a mailer, right? It's something that they mailed to my mom's house. Um, and she cut it out, scribbled something on it, put the date and had mailed it to me. And this one is uh, St. Jude, right? Um, and it's the same thing. So I remember this um, in in my house. We had a variety of things growing up. Uh, different saints and, and Jesus and it just all of it. Right. Um, yeah. And even with my mom's side, some of the Santeria stuff. Um, but those were then something she passed on to me with mm -hmm. the powerful words of a mother. And basically, you know, um, may God take care of you. Those words. And that to me was the, the, the strongest part of religion, not necessarily reading the Bible, but mm -hmm. passed on by a parent 
that faith yeah. and that something will 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 take care of you in your darkest times. You know, reading um, some of your posts, and uh, you know, you have this um, repetitive message that you 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 posted. It's a send me, and then you know this little joke you had down there. Send me, and the team leader say two weeks, you know, from now, or send me, and you know, you're repeating. You know, you want to get in the fight, and where is this this call to serve? I mean, where did that come from? Is that do you think that's built in you in your DNA? Or is that something that you acquired being around great leaders and great moms and dads, that kind of thing? It, it, it was definitely from um, a father figure. Mm. Uh, so I keep it for simple. I just keep call him Mr. Clean. And so he basically ad adopted me when I was, I want to say 10 or 11, because uh, my, my biological father stayed in Cuba. And so my mom came single, pregnant. And then um, all I can remember from a father figure was, you know, my grandfather and my uncles, um, but I was really nourished and, and sort of shaped by women in my family, my, my, my grandmother, my, my abuelita, um, and then my mom, um, and then Mr. Clean came in. And so he had served in the army, he had served as a paramedic and, and bodyguard and done some stuff um, for the nation at a, at a pretty cold level. Um, and that became my role model, right? And so that's, I wanted to be like him. I just didn't know what that was because it wasn't like, you know, a Marine in uniform. He kind of had done uh, some other line of work. Um, but that was essentially what, what drove me to, to want to serve. He instilled sort of that patriotism. And then also as a kid, you know, I was enro enrolled in, in Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts and, and Civil Air Patrol. And I think it was a Civil Air Patrol um, that then kind of gave me a little bit of that structure of what the military would be. So let's talk about then separation. You know, we're talking about the allegiance, the tome, the idea of family and the longing for them, and also the idea of belonging in some sense to God. But how about your military separation? I mean, how did you deal with that? Did you deal with uh, some type of angst or anxiety or some type of, was it relief, you know? Um, what were your thoughts and changes? And did you notice anything? You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. that separation you did. Okay. Can you oh, expand yeah, absolutely. on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I'm to just for reference, like I retired October of uh, 2020 and that was during the, the midst of COVID and essentially retired from my house from here, you know, um, virtually doing all the separation piece. Uh, and it was a nightmare, right? I, I had spent uh, 23 years in special operations and then the last 20 years in a unique organization. And so uh, reintegrating in sort of into the army, you if you would, to process out, just like when we process into the military, you go through MEPS and you go through a formal processing and then you get into your units. And so the anxiety actually started um, um, with the death of uh, two friends of mine, uh, two active duty service members uh, that died by suicide in late uh, 2019. And so that was essentially, if you would, a two by four to the, four, to the face of the realities of um, serving uh, this country um, and in, within special operations and the, the world that we had lived, um, if you would, through the global war on terrorism mm -hmm. and in the dynamics of that. And so that was the eye opener. That was the, oh shit, this, this is reality. And, and I mean that by you know, two guys with, with essentially would be similar DNA to me, lost hope um, and, and, and die by, by suicide. And so that was a something that I couldn't ignore, right? It's not like ignoring muscular skeletal pain or sleep deprivation mm -hmm. or any other, or even marriage conflicts. It was two guys died and there's a piece of that that is deep inside of you that you can very much associate with, right? And, and that makes you sit down and go, 
wow, what is this life of serving in the in the military and the sacrifices that we hear about? What does that really mean? And how is it impacting my family? And I think that was, I already knew that um, I had to have conversations with my spouse of how much longer am I going to stay in the military? I had pro- I had planned at the point that I started to want to retire in 2019, 2018, um, maybe about another five years I would have stayed in um, some, some stuff that I wanted to do in the military uh, and continue to do in the service. But that was the, the again, the two by four to the face. Um, and it it's still a process. I'm till today, two and a half years through it. I am still working through it interpersonally with my family uh, and in particular, my relationship with my, my spouse and, and that of my son. So uh, how was it for you? I mean, uh, you know, I think Tom said that uh, he missed his basically his tribe, but but not the combat. And some people miss the combat. I mean, what is it for you? Do you miss both? Do you miss one? Do you miss the other? Uh, I don't want to say I, I miss the combat, right? Because yeah. uh, that, that, that uh, um, I, I don't miss it. I know I did my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I, I was able to, I mean, I'm proud of my service, which uh, unfortunately a lot of service members do not reflect on that. And I think that's... Um, that can be detrimental to their health, uh, regardless of maybe how the, the the shitty process was to get out of the military. You have to be proud and 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 uh, of what you of of what you did and how you served. Right? Not a lot of people serve this this mil- our, our country. So um, I I don't want to say I miss the tribe. I I, I, um, I I'm beyond that phase. Right? And and okay. it wasn't for bad for bad things, but um, I, I think it was time to move on again personally and because of family and how is it with family i mean i, I noticed that you you bought your son you know some cool stuff from matt rendar you know a uh, friend of ours so mm-hmm. uh, some battle tribe stuff but also mm-hmm. um you know do you, do you share your stories with your family you just keep it on the down low people ask you know dad what did you do or grandpa what did you do and where are you yep. at with that right now it may it may change right yeah so my son doesn't ask anything uh and my wife doesn't ask anything and and, and more particular for her just because mm-hmm. Of the, eight, I think we were married 18 years together while I was 20 years uh, in my previous organization. Um, I never talked about anything. It was always very compartmentalized. It was always mm-hmm. just kind of the way of life. And uh, since the day we met, it was just that's how it was. Um, and it wasn't till I was retiring and doing a lot of the medical, you know, evaluations in the, those Pandora's boxes that I mentioned start to open that she kind of realized that from a deployment or a trip at a certain time frame in our lives, uh, something had happened to me and then a story would be shared with it, right? Like, so you keep on talking about uh, traumatic brain injuries, right? And and I would have to explain, hey, remember that time in, in you know, in what, 2000, late 2006, 2007, when I came back and um, I was having these certain kind of issues. Well, that was from a traumatic brain injury from, you know, combat or being hit by a or near with a, um, an RPG, which was my my worst sort of concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really where the stories are coming from um, are related to, to health. Because before that, there was nothing going on and it was just used to not talking about anything. Mm-hmm. Now, the son is interesting uh, because he's playing Call of Duty and all of these video games and involved in all of, you know, all this stuff. And downstairs, I have my, my team room with the guns and all, and he can care less that that stuff's down there. Like he just doesn't care. Right. Um, so no, not, not a lot of stories. A lot of them are, are through this, this medium. It is leaving uh, traces of it through 
you know, my veteran advocacy and, and helping people um, with trauma or preventing suicide, that the stories come out that they listen to. You know, there's a lot of uh, cool things that you're doing, you know, looking on your page and you there's, again, a, a, a repetition in your thoughts and ideas. And one is, you know, practice kindness, do good, remember your dreams, strive to be better. That is really awesome, you know, um, and you're doing some something cool like a lot of people don't. But I also noticed, you know, you doodled a little, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, arrow um, uh, with your, your logo, right? And it seems that you have some creative abilities. Did you suppress your creative abilities throughout your career? Mm -hmm. I mean, did you ever doodle, work on it? Or is it something that's coming out, you know, in, in a floodgates right now? No, the creativity has actually been part of, if you would, sort of um, my personality and what I brought uh, in particular to special operations. Um, right. It was leveraged and harnessed more the last 20 years um, because that was um, something that we look for in people, in particular special operations, is the, the person that can think, the persons that use creativity. So the last 20 years, actually, towards the end, I was actually exhausted of um, being creative and solving problems. I love solving problems. Um, and that's what um, we were unleashed to do mm -hmm. uh, the last 20 years was to solve problem. Now, the, the creativity changed where it wasn't, you know, necessarily for the defense of this country or whatever problem set. It was now for another problem. It is how do I also use this creativity to help people, right? How do I, from what I've learned of human psychology or, or how to use the Internet um, uh, in the defense of this nation, how do I use... Um, now these mediums to reach people um, in order to pre pre present these, these these messages that I've assessed that there aren't a lot of people doing them, just being vulnerable, being normal. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really all I want because there is no compromise, meaning um, I'm not here to sell anything. I won't sell anything. I won't, uh, I don't sponsor anyone. I, I do it just as, as me. So if I, I trip and fall and I bust my face, that's on me. Um, and then I get back up and, and I go. So I'm actually excited. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because that was another great question is using that creativity. There's two pieces to it. Mm -hmm. It helps me therapeutically, right? Because mm -hmm. I get to, I get to now be creative for Eric, right? Uh, yeah. and, and, and essentially for the family. So if I share a picture, as you may have noticed, like it's just not the cool guy photo. I tried to go back in time and place. What was I thinking? What was going on in life? Or, or how can I represent that picture to express a, a bunch of meanings? No, I got that. And, and definitely, I thought that was really cool. And I don't know, I mean, the, the images that you posted there uh, in the, the, the script, right? It's very reflective. And uh, in the beginning, you posted some things. And I don't know if it was because you, like some people, are just figuring out social media and what they should post, what mm -hmm. they should keep censored, you know. <laughs> For me, there's some secrets some people will never know. And I, to me, when you share a secret, you cheapen the experience. And it's only going to mm. be with certain people that I really trust. And some people, hey, mm -hmm. you know, even though I may write a lot, it does not mean that that's everything I want to tell. But I don't know if you're right. just trying to navigate, you know, social media. But I saw what I presume is a progression of you expressing who you are inside. And I'm learning a lot. A lot of yours is very similar to Brad Haling, I think. You know, he really describes all the events, what's going mm -hmm. on in his mind at the time. Um, but you're out there and I appreciate that, that you're not selling anything. And one of the things I noticed is you've got a gigantic library back there. You know, <laughs> I used to watch Cribs on MTV and everybody had this giant house and cool, you know, bar and, and bedroom, but there were no books. I'm like, where are the books, man? You've got the right, biggest right. book collection I've ever seen. So uh, thank you. 
Yeah. So, I mean, have you read all of those? I assume that you have, man. And, um... No, no, I, I don't. Um, you know, the, so the, the, the books became in, important to me. Um, there was actually interesting, like the, the um, within at least the 23 years, uh, I think as a Marine, I probably, I was dabbling in, in college, but it was such a horror story because of being in the reserves and always trying to get myself back on active duty that I never was able to really focus on, on academics, which I love learning. Like yeah. that's, I think the key to that. There's another, you know, huge part, which is it's a library for my son, right? There's other things that, because I was always gone, very many of us are always gone. So we try to leave as when we were children, you know, I know that I can see in pictures things that were key for my development that I always remember. So if I can leave an impression for my son that, that books are important, history is important, right? And, and that my love for education, you know, I'm also going through a PhD program that mm -hmm. I just started this summer. So just <laughs> adding adding more pain to myself, but I, I love it. So the <laughs> books are, yeah. So the books actually, it's funny because part of it is actually, um, it's a therapy for me to go to thrift stores and um, I do mindfulness. So I, once I walk into that thrift store, or some of these bookstore, I leave anything uh, at in the car, if you would. And then as I kind of peruse through there, I'm going through these books and looking at the titles and it, it's just your imagination and kind of absorbing it and taking some time for yourself. So a lot of them, I've uh, probably in the last year, I've, I've loved the the hunt, the treasure. Let me see mm -hmm. what treasures I find. So I'll find a book. I'm like, oh, wow, this was about, uh, you know, some military guy who wrote his autobiography, which is now important to me because those are those are history and those are words that that individual took, you know, was brave enough to put in there. And so um, there's a variety of books. I mean, I have from counterterrorism all the way to poetry to a diverse set of books. I actually taken down a lot of the ones that I had on on languages. So I had about two shelves full mm -hmm. of cultures and languages and those were taken down there. But uh, yeah, no, I haven't read them all. Um, I'm probably not one of those guys that ever finishes a book in time. I'm probably reading like 15 or 20 of them at a time, um, yeah. which is kind of cool. No, I agree. I mean, I think sometimes you just skim through, you don't have to mm -hmm. read a whole book, you skim through and you, you pull out of it, you know, what you want. But, um, you know, you're right. It is a legacy thing, right? We're leaving in some type of storage to our kids and, uh, you know, you're doing that. For those who are not following Eric, um, go on his Instagram and it's cool. So he has a picture, for example, you know, of coffee and a book and maybe some blades on there. And then there's another breakdown with EDC, which is cool. You break it down what you're using on your journey, on your missions. And then there's another breakdown, you know, a picture of you. What were you thinking at that time? Where were you? You know, what was going through your mind? Very cool. Uh, I think it's a great page. And I, I think you've hit Thank the you. nail on the head there. Some people are trying to figure it out. It took me years to figure out, you know, what, what I wanted to post and say, but I think you've got a, a sense of where you want to go with it. But let me, let me talk about belonging again. Um, Yep. You know, some people write as a way to expand on what they're thinking and, and, and come to a conclusion, a premise, and they have a conclusion. What is your end point now? Are you trying to have some type of belonging, you know, with uh, humanity? For some people, they want to sell products, man. They want to get on there. They want to sell lots of stuff, buy my stuff. I mean, what is your end, end goal today? And does it yeah. bring you to where you want to be, belonging? If, if that's where you want to be. I'm on the path. So I've always learned mm -hmm. to to um, enjoy the journey um, mm -hmm. versus the thought of just getting there, right? It's just too many times, especially when you're, you're deploying, right? You know, if you go in the world of deploying, you get excited about going into deployment, then you're, you're going through the deployment, the deployment ends and you come back, right? And so then, then that was done. And so for me, I'm 
really enjoying the, the journey and where it takes me and the flexibility that I have. Um, and so I'm and back to your point of the tribe. So I've recreated, not recreated, I've, I've sort of started to figure out where, who do I want to be around, right? And that's probably the, a big thing for me and my family for 2023 is who do we want to be around and what does that mean? You know, I know I want to cut away toxicity and I want to, you know, uh, be closer to people that are positive and people that are around us that are no longer because they have to because we're in the same team room with the same unit. So I'm getting to choose and 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 figure out what what those communities are. The communities I like to be in right now that I'm working my way are, you know, um, being and affiliated with folks that, that were on your show like Tom Satterley, um, you know, and Jen Satterley, and and uh, a couple of other folks that are. I like the part of people that have come from these environments and they really care. They have a purpose and a mission, and they're going after it the best that I can. And so I'm surrounding myself with those people and, and enabling them. Um, and I'm using it through through social media. So it was it, it is a journey to figure out, uh, back to your point on sort of the cafecito and message or the get up and go or the EDC. All of that um, was somewhat to, you know, create content that I can um, create reach with people that at the end may want to hear that message. It wasn't about um, Eric that came from this unit because actually I don't, care about uh, anyone affiliating with me because of where I came from. I want it to be based on what my purpose and mission um, is um, more than anything. And that's also, again, eliminating uh, compromises. So hopefully that kind of answers and we can expand. No, no, it does. And actually you, you answered my question, which was, you know, who are your peers and who you're fraternizing with? Because a lot of people, they, they hold on. It's like that monkey holding on to that branch. It doesn't want to let go unless yep. it gets another branch. And some people don't want to do that. They, 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 you know, their, their profession, that is not who they are. That's who they were at a, at a moment, you know, their, um, their being, that sense of who they are in the universe is, is even more important. And that's mm -hmm. uh, a progression too. But, you know, what are the characteristics of the people that you're fraternizing with? When I look at some of the friends I've known 40 years, they do not. And I've got guys who are, you know, detectives working on homicide, you know, sex trafficking, hardcore hell's angel stuff. And they don't want to talk. They just don't, they mm -hmm. shut down. And I, I came to a point where I said, we are great friends, but we will never, cross a threshold and we will never connect at some level. And I have to accept that, that they are not me. Mm -hmm. I'm not them. And um, they just, I'm not saying I'm a fully developed person, but I'm also saying that uh, there's a disconnect there. Uh, we're mm -hmm. never going to get closer. And I have to accept we're never going to get closer as, as friends. But I mean, what are you looking for as characteristics and people that you want to connect with? I like that. Yeah. So the, the first one is actually, um, I'm slowly waking, I'm making my way back to my childhood. Uh -huh. So my, wow. my, my, you know, my cousins and family members that uh, unfortunately I created barriers around yeah. um, more so when, when I came into the army and started to do more sensitive work um, because again, we come from a Cuban background. I didn't know, you know, um, I didn't want it to reach back to them. Anything that I did, either you know, counterterrorism, counter narcotics, right? Those are and I and I started off in, in special seven special forces group focused more on counter narcotics. 
Uh, and as you know, that that's that's dangerous, right? Those those people will find your family as a oh, yeah. as a way of of vulnerability. And so early on, I created the, those barriers, um, and it it hurt me. It's like a moral injury. There, there, you know, I I um, in, in, a, in a complex way have, as many of us do, moral injuries. And one of them was that creating that barrier with my family really hurts me, right? Yeah. Um, and because that adrenaline of being in these high speed unit is over, and now. Now I'm looking at, you know, if I look at, at a social media of a cousin and their sons or daughters and they're having kids, I'm like, oh, my God, where did that time go? So I'm slowly trying to figure out how do I put myself back together in a way that I can reconnect with with my family and, you know, my original best friends that have been there with me in light of me shutting them off for 30 years. Right. And, yeah. and so I love that. I love that. You know, why why did these few friends still want to maintain a relationship rather than going, hey, go, go, you know, F off, Eric. Um, you went to go do your stuff and you forgot about us, right? And so I, there's something in, in, in that building and have maintaining a relationship to me that that's priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, and I'm going to point in, in, in my life and in my family's life where I don't care to have certain people around me that um, A, don't want to be around me or, or, or we don't really mutually go and, and you know, until so we let them go. And so from a professional side, People that align with my purpose, I did unfortunately, right, um, was with people that were selected and maintained for a certain purpose. Not that they're the best people to always get along with because we're a bunch of weird people um, and we can, you know, we we have really uh, unique personalities. Um, But now, like, I'm associating, for example, you know, neurosurgeons, uh, people that deal with psychology or you know, um, in, you know, young engineers that are that are writing code and artificial intelligence, because at the end, these people have a purpose. So I'm aligning myself with people that really have a purpose um, within that that um, align with some of the end states that I want to do for good. I think I can't put down the I want to serve a purpose kind of uh, uh, mentality. Uh, so those are the people that I'm aligning myself with professionally. Man, you seem so self-aware, and some people are not so much so where did that come from you know we talk about cognition which is that mental action of how we acquire knowledge and you know understanding right and we do that through what means you know uh, we do it through so many functions but where's your self-awareness coming from is that from your peers is that from you've always been that way seeking searching um you know is that now i don't know because i was never a unit guy is that encouraged mm-hmm. where you're at at that higher level you guys have to be very independent you have to be free thinkers in a sense or yeah. where does that come from that self-awareness there's a piece of it I would say is my childhood, right? So okay. growing up a, a single child, uh, you know, we grew up, we came to this country poor, mm-hmm. um, and then you um, you loved life. You had to love life, right? So in, in my childhood, as a child, I, I don't ever remember uh, needing love. Like that is something, you know, and it was chaotic. It's still a Cuban family, poor in Hialeah. And we, yeah. you know, um, by the time I was, and this will kind of add, by the time I was 18, I had moved about 21 times uh, yeah. back and forth between my mom um, and my grandparents. So there was a self-awareness as a young kid, mm-hmm. not perfect, but maybe that it's, it stemmed um, from that, that introspectiveness. Right. And then, um, and then when I went in into the military and I went into special operations, I started to understand that that was a trait that mm-hmm. was looked after. And, and for me growing up, you know, as, as when we were kids, we all wanted to, there's recent posts from uh, the conversation actually that I heard of Mike Lover and Jack mm-hmm. Carr about how did we end up in the military becoming, you know, 
to want, aspire to be like our role models, right? Uh, that came from things that were in our childhoods, from movies or or role models or whatever um, we, we saw. So, very cool, man. Yeah, I mean, it just—I think you do have such a great awareness and uh, that introspection. It might be that library behind you, but definitely uh, <laughs> a lot of it came from the streets, man. So that's very yeah, cool. Yeah. So what, what's your hook, man? You know, a lot of people have hooks, you know, they play video games, video games, put hooks in there to get people addicted. But, uh, you know, some people's drugs. And I'm going to talk for you to be asking for you <laughs> to be transparent. Yeah. That hook. But the hook is what what drives your mission that gives you some type of pleasure? And that might be uh, family going out. You know, what is your pleasure point that gives you just man that flow you know that self-actualization you know you're working in the mind the body the spirit whether whether, yep. whether it's surfing or coffee surfing and beers what, which what brings you in a flow state man yeah i want to say um because as soon as you some of the words you used is at least when i was in the, my previous unit for 20 years it was serving at a very unique level right and and um knowing that you would be called to do the things that the nation needed you to do um, with, with exceptional people, right? just people that were very talented. I, I, I always wanted to say that I was probably, you know, the lowest guy in the room uh, just because there's always somebody better. There's, you know, mm -hmm. and there's always somebody that spoke more languages, ran faster, shot better, skydived better, was more creative in a certain way. Um, and so just being able to serve at that level um, and the things that I was involved with, that was my drug. That was my, you know, I was constantly involved in something at a very high level with extraordinary people. Um, and I, I want to say that that, that was what, what drove me, that fueled me. Again, mm -hmm. you come to the team room and you don't know what you're going to expect, uh, but you're solving a problem at, at a very strategic level or at a very tactical level. Uh, I don't know how to, how to quantify that or whom else, mm -hmm. maybe guys that came from, from these special units, um, can better articulate it. Uh, but it was serving with those people, uh, was uh, phenomenal. And then in balance to kind of something you said, my, my drug was really my, my spouse, my, my, my family when I would come back. Like people and throughout the military, you know, some of the psychologists, they ask you, well, what do you like to do? What, you know, all of these, these questions, like I literally just hang, like to hang out with my wife. She's my best friend. So we do goofy things together. We, we hang out. And so it was that cycle of um, operating and, mm -hmm. and, and being able to be at those high levels and then come back to a marriage and a friend that I that I love and I love to spend time with that, that helped me. And then I was back out the door. Vicious cycle, um, but definitely a fulfilling cycle. Let's talk about um, crisis mode and, and takeaways. Um, let's talk about your crisis mode and let's talk about therapy that you recommend and what are the takeaways? So. What can we learn as uh, viewers, listeners, seeing into the mind of someone who has performed at a high level? Uh, many of us will never be there at your your level. Um, so, what what was your crisis mode? It was a suicide, right? To, to your, your two close friends, and then what happened? I mean, you absolutely shut down to all, everyone around you, or what did you end up doing? Okay, those are great. Um... Cognitive. So for me, was that the loss of, of, of and the decline of cognition. Okay. So once I started to realize that um, 
I was having difficulties remembering things that I needed operationally. Okay. Because once you start identifying, you know, and at least in, for me, it wasn't what I knew how to do. It's identifying what I needed to be better at. Right. I, I come from a world that our people are good. It's not only about being good, but it's understanding what what you need to improve because those are the gotchas that can get someone killed, right? Or, or you can fail a mission. And so when I started to have uh, cognitive problems, um, I started to forget things. Or I wasn't I wasn't performing at the levels that I was performing that I needed to perform at. And again, barring age, barring all of that, it was just something was not right. And then um, I was never home long enough. I've, I've said in a couple of podcasts that for at least the last 20 years, I would come home for TDY, right? For temporary duty home. And my home was actually forward deployed, solving some kind of problem on, around the world. Um, and so when the, and it was the suicide. So 2019 was probably the eye opener that then I would, I would use to look back in time to make sense of it because it was, um, I felt that I was just operating or, or just living go, 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 go. But I was running out of what we called cognitive bandwidth, right? So in other words, your, your brain doesn't and your body doesn't have enough of this. Uh, energy or, or to continue to process was just going lower and lower and lower and lower. So at some point I felt that I was operating at 30% efficiency, mm-hmm. but I thought I was at 90, right? And that's, and that's difficult. Um, and then what stemmed out of it maybe was the relationship part, right? When I started to spend, and so about the last three, four years that I was in the organization, I did, uh, as many other guys, when they start to transition out, especially the sergeant majors, we go into what's called capability development. You know, you start um, working in offices in the organization to start building capabilities, right? So basically you, you get off the road. And there I was spending more time home. And I realized that then I was having an increased issues with my spouse from an anger, irritability, like that I was now transitioning from TDY at home to mm-hmm. really being at home. And so that then was like, oh, okay, this is not good because and, and, you know, at the same time, the calculus is my son is now reaching 14, 15, and now they're figuring stuff out. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can be as an adult and argue with someone and think perspectively that that's between you two. So you have a child in the room. And when that child reflects on what mommy and daddy were arguing about, you're like, oh, this is completely different. So I think it'd be, it would, you know, to sum it up, it mm-hmm. was that combination of those things were, were cognitive. I started to really notice the behavioral sort of uh, aspects of it. Um, uh, and, and then, you know, and, and then with family. And so to your, your question about what, what do I recommend to the viewers? Mm-hmm. If there's a viewer listening right now, you're on the path, right? To listen to others openly discuss their vulnerabilities, being human is the first thing. I know too many people um, that don't listen to podcasts. They don't want to hear the stories from mm-hmm. others. And so you're in yourself, yourself isolated, encapsulated in your own world. And that's dangerous. I think it starts by having an open mind and go, well, let me see how Eric, Tom, Bob, or any of these other folks that are openly discussing the life of either being a military or police first responder or whatever, what is that really about? And if they can catch and associate with that individual's voice and story and start to take um, note of what the problems were and how they're seeking healing and growth, that's very, very powerful. Um, So I'll stop there because there are some more pieces that I can recommend. 
So one of the other things is uh, part of the cognitive process is imagination. A lot of people stop imagining things, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that process of existing knowledge and discovering new knowledge, but for a lot of people, they feel like they're tapped out. Let's talk about where are you at now? Mm -hmm. What is your viewpoint on, on life and, and what, what are the, uh, uh, things that you're working on now? You have, you have, um, I think a 513C or what kind of projects are you working on? Um, okay. and where are you, you know, with imagination and creativity? Yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't have a, a nonprofit. Um, mm -hmm. I am part of a nonprofit that, that brought me in is called military special operations, family collaborative. Mm -hmm. Um, you can find them on the internet. I post about them every once in a while. They're great. Cause they, what they do is they're sort of a clearing house and they're very focused on, on research and, and, and true and tried data on, on post-traumatic stress, on TBI, on suicide and on family. And so, I help them um, as sort of a, a veteran voice or, or, or whatever. Uh, and then they have an ecosystem of other little nonprofits. Matter of fact, All Secure Foundation, Warriors Heart, um, and a couple of other really good ones that can essentially cover the gambit of what uh, people will, resources that they, they may need. So um, I'm enabling them versus trying mm -hmm. to set up my, my own. Um, that's the first thing. So that feels really good to be able to point towards those resources and use those resources. As an individual, um, as I mentioned, and it even involves my family, is I started my P a PhD program um, last summer. And so that was huge for me because by the time I was retiring, again, as I mentioned in 2019, um, before I went to the National Intrepid Center of Excellence, which is here in Walter Reed, that focuses only on traumatic brain injury from a holistic perspective of how they take an operator and, and sort of dissect them in a variety of ways, right, to, to see what what's going on with them. Um, I thought I was I, I, uh, I was scared about the livelihood that I would be able to to have in the life post military to take care of my family. Right. Because it's not like a check that would be uh, at my doorstep every month from the military um, or healthcare. I was about to retire after, like, as you mentioned, a 30 year career, you know, somewhat being this high performer, but I'm really, as I'm getting ready to get out the door going, I cannot remember what my wife asked me to go get at Walmart. This is not going to bold well. Mm -hmm. And that brings, uh, that brings a very dark anxiety to people in that same position. Uh, fortunately, I took somewhere going, no, you got to take care of family, Eric, because you don't know what's going to happen two or three years after you get out. And worst case scenario, you die and you've left them a, you know, a stack of bills and uh, no, no plan, you know, kind of shame on you to some extent. So I had, I had gone to, you know, talk therapy, mm -hmm. stuff for my brain, stuff for my health and sort of uh, taking care of that get well plan. And what I noticed is in a year and a half, I was sleeping better. I can, uh, I was, my, my body was recovering from a muscular skeletal pain. I had, um, I was aligning myself with people and communities that, that brought again, that sense of mission and purpose that didn't have to be, from the unit or the same tribe. I, mm -hmm. I knew I needed to cut away that life, essentially. Um, I didn't need the same tribe again. I just needed to be around people that have similar end states and, and goals. And so in the middle of the summer, um, I, I left uh, a, a job that I had um, for about a year and a half post-retirement. And I said, I want to go back to solving hard problems similar to the things that I did for the last 20 years, but because I felt better cognitive. I wasn't burned out. I kind of 
went, mm-hmm. you know, I did this, this nonprofit work. I was able to reach people, have a good, um, a good connections with folks in some, some end states. And I was like, well, you know what? My brain feels better. Like, uh, okay, I'm going to get back to education. I'm going to reach this educational, um, yardstick that I set for myself, um, to give back to my family. Cause my family only went, my Cuban family only went to sixth grade education. And so yeah. I'm like, no, I'm going to take advantage of being in this country and I'm going to, and I'm going to pursue because I like it. Um, and yeah. also leave an example for my kid. And this is my new transformation, um, for where I want to take me and my family. Um, um, and, and in addition, the, the PhD work actually works is focused on cyber psychology, but my research is still giving back to veterans, if you would, because I'm studying the way that trauma, post-traumatic TBIs affect individuals cognitively. So at the same time, all of these things are merged together, right, at one time. No, very cool, man. So to me, the takeaways I'm getting is, you know, again, self-awareness, fraternizing with those who are not like you. You know, you're the known. You always go into the known. It's always known. But you go into the unknown. After enough times, the unknown becomes known. And you learn new things. Um, the other thing I'm getting is, you know, don't be embarrassed or self-conscious. Is to learn. Yeah. Don't always feel that you have the answers and you're now going to torture yourself and go get a yeah. PhD. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. So you're doing all these things. And again, you're getting help and, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting out there and being creative. I, I think that's great. Uh, well, let's cut real quick to a commercial. Guys, yeah. uh, if you have not tried Silencio Coffee, go ahead and get some. That's going to be Silencio Coffee. We've got the Gunfighter Swagger. We've got the Calm Chaos, a uh, bunch of other stuff. We've got, uh, again, the small bags, frack packs. They'll make one pot of coffee. And then we've got the 16 ounce. Get them online, Silencio Coffee. Uh, great stuff. Eric, um, I think we've had a great time just talking. Is there anything I missed, man? Anything that you want to talk about that uh, I probably hadn't uh, asked or didn't probe deep enough into? Yeah, I think from from your questions and you mentioned it uh, earlier was, you know, hey, what, what do I recommend? Um, so one of them was not only uh, listening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I recommend in particular uh, veterans, law enforcement, anybody who's been in that world with high trauma. And their families, right? There is, I always hope, and I try to engage, uh, at least in my perspective, my social media, to reach uh, not only the the veterans, the the guys that are currently in the military, but their family and their children, so they can gain, at least through my social media, my speaking, an understanding of the world that maybe their fathers or their mothers or whomever were in. And that's the first part. And then if it resonates with somebody, someone's going, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I would tell you that the number one thing is talk therapy, right? I have been, again, Nichol, um was a month long program, eight hours a day of, and, and some amazing technology. At the end, the most powerful piece of it was that human that I spoke to, right? It's okay to go to a therapist, therapist, uh, a therapist people. It's okay mm-hmm. to sit down and get a piece of paper and journal what you went through. You got to get it out. Right. Getting that out, doing that mindfulness, doing that journaling is the path. So I highly recommend that people go get therapy. Now, I, and uh, the first thing a lot of veterans and, and, and folks that work in, let's just say, the intelligence community or sensitive communities are going to go, well, I'm going to lose my clearance. Right. At least in my world, that's that's a big one. Stop. Don't mm-hmm. you know your life, your health, the future of your family is much more important than a clearance. Today, having, you know, post-traumatic stress, 
um, and you're noticing a lot of us are dropping that stupid D word for disorder, it is not a disorder. It is an injury. And with any injury, we can heal from it. But you got to get back to the point of where that's bothering you somewhere in either your law enforcement or your military career. So get to therapy. There's a lot of free therapy um, that's out there by very qualified people. For example, one that, and I only mention them um, because they've been there for me, it's Headstrong. Headstrong mm -hmm. has been free to me. I called them a year while I was in, in active duty. And I think within hours or the next day, I had a therapist. And that therapist has helped me heal help me talk through things, right? And, I, and I'm still with that person. And again, as, as much as I've grown in time, there are still things that I'm peeling, um, mm -hmm. um, I'm peeling through. So I tell people to go through, through therapy, talk therapy. Second would be work on your sleep, right? Um, you know, the, the days of the Marines and the Rangers and the hardcore guys, if you would, that said, thought we can just operate without sleep and that's the way you have to live your life. That's not accurate. There's a time and a place for sleep deprivation, uh, but there, you know, as a whole, you have to focus on sleep. So I tell people, uh, especially a lot of veterans, they're like, well, I don't have a problem sleeping. I'm like, well, go ask your wife. What does your wife say? But my wife says that I don't sleep for shit and I snore and she makes me sleep in the guest room. Well, that's an indicator. You need to go take care of sleep. One of the key things that really helped me change cognitively behavior uh, mm -hmm. muscular, everything, was I started to focus on my sleep, right? I needed a CPAP machine. I use my CPAP. I, I, I set my my days to, I go to sleep on time. I make sure I get eight hours. Uh, phone discipline, you know, turn off your phone. Don't don't start looking at social media. So yeah. sleep's another one. And then obviously the health part. But hopefully that that, that kind of helps to something you, you know, you had mentioned. Um, again, listening to other people's, opening up, self-reflecting. And then a lot, giving yourself permission. That's been one of the most powerful things I heard from somebody when they said, oh, you gave yourself permission. I'm like, what does, how does that mean? But it's powerful <laughs> to tell yeah. yourself, give yourself permission to take care of yourself, to self-reflect yeah. that. And I will tell you, I mean, uh, you, you're, you know, with a lot of sense of hope, you will get better. You can heal, but you got to be able to self-reflect um, and talk about it with somebody. Eric, thank you, man. I mean, I, I got to say, yeah. of all the guests I've had and people that I speak with, you're probably the most deliberate person I've met. You know, you have action steps, you're thoughtful, and you're not embarrassed to say, hey, you know, I need help, and uh, you're not insecure about it. You know, a lot of people, um, they, they don't find any relief, and they have a lot of resentment, and they're not sure why, and they're scared. They're, they're not uh, uh, thinking it through. And so um, they're, they're, they're maybe even suspicious of the help that's out there. They may feel trapped, but uh, you know, I get from you, there's a hot, lot of hopefulness and I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So uh, I truly appreciate you coming on, man. Um, you know, don't go anywhere, guys, please uh, follow Eric's page. You're gonna see that he even recommends, you know, getting off social media for a while, but he has got a very thoughtful page uh, and you're gonna get some information out of that very cool, uh, you know, he is talking about, uh, you know, evaluating yourself and uh, improving your judgment ability and your reasoning by just resting. So go do that. Uh, follow this guy. Check him out. A lot of great stuff to say. So good takeaways, man. Eric, thank you for coming on. Uh, don't go anywhere, guys. Please like, subscribe, share. We Fight Monsters, where we talk to people about literal and figurative monsters that people are fighting in order to make a world a better place. So thanks for watching, everyone, and God bless you. Take care. God bless you.